I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Have you ever thought it's too late for you to do something amazing for God? Well, listen to John and Jan Oaks today share about how they started a church about 16 months ago with just themselves and one other disciple. John and Jan are in their late 60s, and they just had their inaugural service at the beginning of October and had over 200 people in attendance. Not only that, but over the last eight months, they've baptized 10 people. Find out how they did it today on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm really looking forward to talking to John and Jan Oaks today. They, they inspire me. They are in their late 60s. They planted a church in retirement. They've, they've led a church in retirement in Bakersfield. Now they planted a new church in Merced, California, and the church is just taking off. I can't wait to share the good news in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the CLIMB Conference. It's coming up November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. Every day I, I have a podcast, I share that my goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life. And one of the things that I, I think about is you know, they interview older people and they share, what, what regrets do you have in life? And it's often not the things that they did that they regret, it's the things that they didn't do that they regret. And I just want to talk to you as a disciple to disciple. If you don't go to this conference, you may seriously regret it. And if you're going to really buy into the idea of living a no regrets life, I really want you to seriously consider are you going to regret not coming to this conference? It's going to be amazing. And this is the opportunity for you to grow, for you to get encouraged, for you to get empowered, inspired, moved, challenged, convicted. So much stuff can happen over the course of three days when you're surrounded by 200, 300 fired up disciples who want to make disciples. And so pl please, decide I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to register today. I'm going to buy my flight. I'm going to get there. And I'll tell you what, a lot's going to happen. But one thing you're not going to have is regret. You're going to go, man, great, great decision. So please go to robskinner.com if you haven't already and register today for the CLIMB conference. John and Jan, welcome back to the program. Thanks. It's really great to have you guys on the program again. It's been a really busy time for you guys. You let's let's talk a little bit about this. You just started your church in Merced a little while ago. Can you talk a little bit about where you started at and how big the church is now? Yeah, well, we thought originally of putting together a team and we have this big plan. Went around to a number of churches asking people to join us, but bottom line is we got uh we'd wish to go, but a lot of no's. So our initial team was us and one young guy from uh, Merced, which is about 30 miles away from here. So our team started out with three. 
And then uh, after we got here, we found one young sister who had been baptized during COVID, who was pretty much disconnected from other churches. So now we're a team of four. And then we found another couple that had also somewhat wandered away from the ICOC. They joined with us, so we had six. And anyway, since then, uh, we've had uh, 10 baptisms, all college-age young folks. Uh, we had a restoration. Um, in fact, just, just a couple weeks ago, for the first time since the very beginning, we had somebody else move here to support the team. So we're 20 now. Oh, my gosh. So three to 20. And it's been 15, almost 60 months. Okay. So you started, when did you move there? Uh, June 1st of last year. So, you know, 16 months ago, 15 months ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in 16 months, you went from your team of three to 20 disciples. Yeah. That's amazing. And interestingly, we shared our faith with thousands, literally thousands of people. And, uh, but we didn't have any baptisms for about eight or nine months. I think God was just testing us there. And, and so really the 10 baptisms have come in the last six or seven months. So it's like, Every other week, practically, somebody has been getting baptized for the okay. last six okay. months. That's so. There was a long gestation period where there was nothing happening. There was, yeah. Apparently, was nothing really happened. We, we, I should stop talking, Jan. Need to say something, but we studied with a lot of people, and Jan can testify to that. Test. We studied with a lot of women, a lot of men. Cooked a lot of dinners on Sunday after church and on before Bible talk on Tuesday. So, yes, we've been very busy, and the gestation was definitely full. <laughs> okay, so how did you how did you keep your faith during that that time when it it seemed like nothing was actually happening? Well, it wasn't like nothing was happening. We were doing stuff all the time and praying. Just, I mean, I don't think I ever had a lack of faith. I knew it was going to happen. It just we had to just keep going. I don't think I had time to even think about or that it was this was not going to work. Yeah, honestly, I I didn't really have much of a moment of doubt mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, like Jen said, we had tons of visitors and I've I've been doing this. I've been a disciple for almost 45 years. I've seen things happen. And also, even when we moved to Bakersfield, we helped uh, with the church in Bakersfield. And there, the first nine or 10 months, again, we only had, I think, one baptism, none of, no student baptisms for about nine or 10 months. Then the floodgates opened. So it's kind of a repeat of what had happened for us earlier. But either way, honestly, I agree with Jan. I didn't ever get the feeling, oh, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. This was a mistake. No, that thought really never entered my head. Okay, so you guys moved there 16 months ago with three people. Now, you said that the team member that went with you was from Merced, which is 30 miles away from you? Sorry, from Madeira, excuse me. Okay, okay, so a different different city. You're in Merced. Yeah, Okay. so 30 minutes away. Can you can you describe your, your strategy? You just had your inaugural service a few weeks ago, but you started 16 months ago. Okay, so what was your thinking there? I mean, like you had your official first service a few weeks ago, but you've been there a long time. What was your plan? What was your thinking? Well, actually, as you know, Rob, you're the one who suggested that we put off our inaugural service for a while, simply because, you know, like I said to you, we had thought originally we'd develop this big team of all these disciples who've been wanting to go on mission teams. Well, you know, 
that didn't happen. So to, to do an inaugural service earlier, honestly, it would have been a little of a disappointment or, or like, really, what's going on here? So I, it was your advice to wait until God had really caused some things to really happen. So that was that was the plan. Honestly, was getting advice from somebody very famous in our movement named Rob Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you go. Also, well, probably one of the things that I felt it was time is that we had grown so large in our house that we couldn't meet. So we started meeting in another facility on September 1st. I see. Oh, can I tell you the story about that, Rob? Go ahead. That's an amazing story. So um, like Jan said, we were having uh, 25, even close to 30 people in our house on Sunday, all these visitors and all that. And so it was clear that we couldn't keep meeting here. So I was preaching on Sunday morning, preaching from Ezra. And Ezra started a mission team, as you know, took a mission team to Palestine. And I pointed out from the scripture that the money to support that came from uh, the Persians. So I said, you know, we need to have uh, uh, an abundance mentality here, not a scarcity mentality. And I said, we're going to start praying and God is going to give us a place to meet. And it's going to be like a super deal. Nine o'clock the next morning, I tell you no lie, I got a call from a minister I'd never met. And he said, I hear you're looking for a place to meet. Would you come on over to our, our facility? I want to show you what we have. And he shows us this really nice room, fairly small, because we were small at the time. And then a roof for the kids. He said, and I quote him directly, he said, but we have vision for your group. Wow. We see you guys growing. So he said, let me show you this other room, a rather large room, holds, I don't know, 150, 200 stage sound system a really awesome kitchen attached a gym <laughs> right across the sidewalk and i'm i'm ready for that nervous moment right so i finally asked him so what are we talking on cost and he said 50 dollars a month oh my gosh 50 dollars a month that's what we're paying for our facility that's amazing and even after we moved <laughs> to the larger room yeah right that's so incredible. you know but honestly, we've had so many miracles of this sort yes. that I'm like, okay, well, amen, God, thank you. But it's not like, oh, I can't believe that happened because we just had too many miracles happen to, to continue to be so surprised. That's amazing. Okay, so so you're, you're paying $50 a month for your rent in a pretty much brand new facility. Oh, it's not brand new. It's nice. It's not brand new. It's a larger church. They have this huge campus. They still have a fairly decent sized church, but I'm sure it's not as big as it was. They, their facility out, you know, is larger than what they need. And so in this Christian spirit, they're trying to help other churches. So they just decided to do that for us. That's amazing. So it's new to you, but that's that's fantastic. Okay, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about the inaugural service. When was it um, and how many people are in attendance? Can please describe it? Well, it happened on October 1st. Um, we had it at the ballroom at the campus uh, of UC, of University of California, here in Merced. Uh, we asked, we originally thought we planned for around 200. So they set out 200 chairs for us. And uh, it was pretty exciting because, I mean, there were a few vacant chairs. So we didn't take an attendance, but it was full. Wow. Um, but it was pretty exciting, very exciting. And it was well-planned. By the way, we have to give credit to Fresno because they helped us with worship. They helped us with children's ministry. Um, 
They helped us with the lunch afterwards, which we had at a park. Everything about it was superb. Oh, the lunch was amazing. Everything. The fellowship was amazing. But the, the highlight to me was having all 10 baby Christians get out there and share a, like a one or two word testimony. And I mean, after I after that, I got up and I shared and I, I just was crying. It was just so amazing. That's so, yeah. It's incredible. I mean, so you have 200 people in attendance. You, you've, you've got the support of the surrounding churches in the Central Valley of California. And, and then you've, you've had 10 baptisms over the last eight months. And you have and all, yeah, six or seven months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. incredible. That's, how, how does that, how does that feel? Like looking back, all your work, your sacrifice, your, your, you're you're doing this in retirement. How does that make you feel, Jan? What what kind of feelings were going through your mind? Oh my goodness, I'm just just grateful. I'm amazed that God is using us. Why us? You know, He's just we can't even tell you all the amazing things that have happened, and so we are very encouraged. I was encouraged before, but. I mean, there was icing on the cake or the cherry on top with that service, with having our friends come from San Diego, from from San Francisco, from Sacramento. I mean, these are people who we've crossed paths with in our life and have been in, you know, in our lives for all this time. And so for them to come up here to support us and to just wish us. And I know the other thing is a prayer. We have to have a prayer every Wednesday morning. So there are people who join us every Wednesday morning to pray. And it's their, their prayers to God that I think has continued to help us. Wow. So yes, we're very excited. Yeah. It feels pretty uh, fulfilling, pretty encouraging. I have to it, say. That's <laughs> the word yeah. fulfilling. Everything I do gets multiplied a hundred times. Well, you guys were appointed as an evangelist and women's ministry leader. That must've been really extra special. What, what was that like? Well, pretty encouraging. But let me tell you a story on that. So when we moved to Bakersfield, uh, they hired us. This was like, oh, my goodness, you know, was five years ago, I guess now. And I said to uh, Blaine and Eve, the the sort of the nominal leaders there, I said, you know, I've some I'm a teacher for sure. And, you know, I've, we've got some pretty strong experience in shepherding, but when it comes to being an evangelist, I am not an evangelist, just so you know. <laughs> but here it is five years later. But, you know, when we went to Bakersfield, what we did was I just went on campus and started sharing my faith like crazy. And that that's kind of what I, that's pretty much what I did is, and, that's, and when we got here, the same thing. We just, we just share our faith. I mean, just to give you an example, I would guess we have about six or 700 phone numbers and emails of students here in Merced. Think about that. How many people you'd have to share with in order to get that many phone numbers. So um, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. That's amazing. For me, I didn't expect it. I never thought I would, it was never even my goal no. to be a, a no. women's ministry leader ever. No. So when Chris told me, Jan, we'd like to appoint you women's ministry leader. I was like, what? Serious? Right, right. I mean, I could see you appointing John, but me? So it was a surprise, an encouragement, and, you know, you know, totally over the top. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And I don't really, you know, feel like I needed it or deserved it or 
wanted it, but God blessed me. Yeah. And I'm overwhelmed. I'm just thankful. If you thought I was, I should have that title, then amen. Here <laughs> I am. And so, technically, Jan's never actually worked for the church as far as being paid. So that's that's kind of unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's so amazing and, and so inspiring. And it's the right thing to do because that's what you're doing. You're doing the work of ministry and you're simply getting recognized for what you've already been doing. And it just makes me think how many people are out there who've been disciples for a long time. They've never considered themselves as an evangelist or a women's ministry leader, but simply by doing the work, it, then that's what you become. That's what gets revealed in your life. And so by planting that church, leading the, the Bakersfield church, you showed what's really on the inside, really, really inspiring. John, how old are you, may I ask? Okay, I'm a guy, so you can ask me that, I guess. All right, <laughs> I, I'm 68. 68, okay. Let's talk a little bit about your concept of retirement. Most people are thinking, hey, I'm going to kind of wind down. It seems like you guys have a different definition of retirement than most. Can you talk about that? Uh, sure. So I, I was um, 62, I think. And there's a brother who kind of challenged me on that a little bit. And I, I took his advice as Paul Vasquez. And so uh, I decided to retire early from my professor position, um, early than most financial advisors would have suggested, probably. But I did that in order to do ministry kinds of things. Uh, I wasn't thinking of leading a church. I was thinking of, of doing a more writing of books, uh, podcasts, of replacing Rob Skinner by doing better podcasts <laughs> than Rob Skinner, um, um, traveling, because I've done a lot of traveling to teach and stuff like that. And then, um, but I've been encouraging empty nesters and those are entering retirement uh, for a number of years that when you hit this time, that's when you ought to be taking it to the next level. I've been saying that for a long time. So when Greg Moreski suggested, gee, why don't you consider going and leading this church? I had no I had no answer to that other than uh, here am I, send me. I mean, either that or I'm a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we're not slowing down. That's that's to say the least. Um, you know, I am 68 and Jan's somewhere near my age as well. And, um, you know, our energy level is not quite what it was. Uh, but uh, we're still we're still cranking. Uh, we don't plan on stopping. We don't plan on buying a nice house on the beach or going to live next door to our grandchildren, at least not anytime soon. Uh, we don't have a definite plan, but Janet are figuring at least three or four more years here. And then uh, what we do next, we don't know. Wow. Well, I was thinking that retirement, you know, would give us more time to reach out you know, and to go help churches. And I looked forward because we visited a lot of churches who really have asked us to come and spend three months or six months. And, you know, there's some samples of people in South America that have done that. And that's what I figured we would do is just go help churches somewhere. And, uh, you know, it helps that we're already retired, so we don't need to be paid. And so for us, this is pretty exciting. You know, it, 
they say hang out with young people and you'll stay young. And <laughs> I'm telling you. We're definitely doing that. Yeah, crazy okay. things are happening. You should see me out on the basketball court playing basketball with 21 and 22-year-olds. It's oh. a little crazy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, you've, you've baptized like 10 people, most of them college age. You're in a college town at UC Merced, new new university. Okay. It's just like unbelievable. Like how how do you overcome the mental barrier of the the script that, that says, I'm too old, I'm unrelatable, I'm out of touch, no one's gonna listen to me. I mean, tell me how you just surmounted that barrier. By faith. I don't, I, you know. Well, I just know that we worked with the singles for a long time, and uh, most of them were way younger than we were. Some of them were our age or close. But you know what? Everybody needs to eat. And you put a good meal in front of them, and they are delighted and want to come back. And so I think just being having people over to your house, cooking them a meal, loving them, encouraging them, asking how you can help them. You know, I don't, yeah, they're younger, but it's like they want to learn. I mean, like we say, have some crazy sayings from the past and they've never even heard those sayings, you know? <laughs> and so we get to teach them. We get to explain to them what those mean, what those sayings are. Yeah. I, I had a little bit of a leg up in some ways on this because I've been a professor for the last 34 years. So yeah. where have I been is on campus not out, uh, uh, you know, sitting behind a table sharing with thousands of people, but I, you know, and being a professor, I, it's in a weird way, it sort of kind of works. Uh, cause you know, I, I'll be on campus. I, I do tutoring in physics. I do tutoring in calculus. Uh, I give people, I give these college students, uh, even, uh, career advice, academic advice. It's, it's sort of, it's in a strange way, it's a somewhat almost natural for me to do that. So that's part of it. I mean, not everybody would fit the exact situation I have to make it a little bit more natural, maybe a little bit. And, but anyway, uh, so what we do is I go up on campus and we set up table, banner, um, canopy, and just talk to people. And he gives away candy. Yeah, give away candy. Yeah, that's, that's true. awesome. And after a while, just people start hanging out. And I did have one student, <laughs> one student ever said college called me a creepy old man. But, you know, other than that, uh, it's I've never felt like, oh, what are you doing here? I've right. never felt that. That's amazing. What it's it's amazing, really, how how that doesn't really even happen. Well, I think it's such a great example of not not allowing mental barriers to creep into your mind, but just saying, hey, I can be useful, I can be fruitful at any age. And so that's really, really just, to me, it's very inspiring and challenging and, and, and good. Takes away all excuses. Where, um, where do you go from here? Like, what's your next step? Like, you, you've got... 10 young Christians running around. You got a little, uh, a little flock right there. You've created a lot of work for yourself. What's your vision going forward? Well, um, we need some mature disciples to show up here. If possible. We need some people <laughs> to move here. Um, we have a, a goal, which is to find uh, two interns with at least some campus work experience. 
that we could hire. We, we even have the money thanks to the Southwest churches. We had the money we could actually afford to hire. Uh, I say a couple, they don't have to be a couple in that sense, but we need a brother and a sister uh, to take care of these young Christians. Because at this point, I mean, I study the Bible with people, but I'm almost feeling guilty as I'm studying the Bible with all these visitors that I'm not taking care of all the young Christians because we do follow-up studies. We're we're crazy about that. We we flat out do follow-up studies. That's awesome. We do 10 of them with every one of them. And and so we really need some help here. And that where we go from here is asking the people listening to this podcast, would some of you please consider moving to a really exciting place? Uh, and by the way, the housing by, by uh, Southwest Standards is quite cheap here. You can move here. You can afford it. Uh, we do have a couple of singles that are talking about moving here fairly soon. Uh, so primarily what we need is young in their 20s or very early 30s, campus ministry, intern people, and then at least a couple of, of more mature couples. That's awesome. So that's where we go from here locally here in Merced, because I see the church growing to 30 and 40 and 60 and beyond. But um, our ability, Jan and I... Uh, with almost no other mature disciples at all that, that yeah, we're, we're going to run into a, a limit at some point, probably, although who knows, God can do whatever. Right. You know, we know people went to Russia and, you know, whatever, eight of them went next thing you know, they have a church of 500. So who knows? But. Wow. Well, if you're not busy enough, you've also just published a book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yep. Yeah, I just published a book. Of, in fact, a couple books since we got here. I finished my uh, church history as a four volume set on church history that was published on about nine months ago, but uh, just a couple weeks ago, a book is called <clears throat> true, right, better, a defense of the Christian worldview. <clears throat> it's my first uh, apologetics book in about, I don't know, at least 15 years. Um, and in the kind of the postmodern post-Christian age uh, worldview apologetics, I think is the most helpful or appropriate one. So I wrote a book kind of analyzing uh, atheism, postmodernism, pantheism, polytheism, Islamic theism, all those other isms, including Christian theism. And I, tr I make the case for Christian theism being the by far, by far the best worldview. Right. That's great. I, it, we were talking about this before the program, and I just read a book on that dealt with evolution. The writer was saying that evolution essentially governed every human system and everything that's going on around us. But I left with such a pit in my stomach. Just, I just thought, what? I mean, there's some things that are interesting about it, but it, just such an empty, hollow, hopeless ending to, to the whole thing is just everything is essentially meaningless. There's progress, but ultimately no ultimate meetings, meaning. And so I look forward to reading your book. Very, very, should be great. Well, thanks. Yeah. Okay. So for those who are older, wanting to plan a church, wanting to do what I'm, I'm there, we've got a lot of disciples that have so much experience. They've got 40, 50 years as disciples and They've got so much, and they they they're like, man, I want to use my retirement to make disciples, multiply disciples, leaders in churches. You know, we've got people in our own church that want to plant a church, you know, nearby. 
give us some advice. What, what advice would you say to those in maturity who want to make the most of their retirement years? Well, uh, everybody's different. Every situation is different. So I don't think there's a formula I could give at all. But I would say, um, please consider uh, putting the kingdom first in your plans as you're heading into your 50s, 60s, and 70s. And uh, whatever that looks like is going to depend on maybe your skills, your uh, the you know the the gifts that God's given you. I think mission work is one really great way to use that time. And again, whether that would be uh, finding a mission work that's happening and going there and supporting it, or even being uh, the the lead people to put it together, that's going to depend on you know, what your skills are, what your experience is. But I'd say uh, sitting back, just playing golf and um, um, pickleball and living near your grandkids and just sort of doing the same old thing, that's not going to be fulfilling. I don't believe it's God's will for your life. And, you know, when I became a Christian, I signed up for go anywhere, do anything, and I, I've taken that seriously. I like to think I've taken that seriously this whole time. And I, I think some of us just need to remember what we said when we became a disciple. Get the vision again. Yeah. I'll share another little story. When we arrived in Bakersfield, I we had a devotional with the group the very first Wednesday we got there. And I said to the church, and they'd had some stuff happened let's just say over time and, and not all bad some good but a lot of disappointment and i said to the church there i'm going to ask you a really really big favor i want you to believe one more time that god can do amazing things through you through you people here mm. and they got on board and things went really well wow so yeah i think that's a call for all of us just do you actually believe that god can use you to do uh, pretty spectacular and amazing things, because apparently you can. <laughs> apparently. Jan? Well, I think it really helps that um, when I became a Christian, that was the call. Go make disciples. And so I had, you know, in the early days, I thought, well, I need to baptize one person every year. If I do that, I'm being fruitful. You know, and God has blessed me with more than that throughout the years, but that was always been my goal, that mm. I need to multiply, I need to go make disciples. And so I think anybody at any age can do that. Right. We all have the Bible. We can all open it up and just read with someone. And I think just wanting to share God with people, right. the goodness that he is. And yeah, there's a cost, but compared to the goodness that we have, yeah. there's no comparison. Yeah. Uh, you look forward to to the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what motivates people that they can look forward to the rest of their life. That's right. You know, I love the simplicity of it because there's so many disciples that are so caught up in the environment, you know, oh my gosh, you know, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket and oh my gosh, what's happening, you know, to, to, the church, the kingdom, you know, oh my gosh. And yet what I see in you guys is just a simple focus. Let's save souls. Let's bring people into the kingdom of God. Let's, let's help people to become citizens of heaven where 
things are going to be perfect. And it's, it's really, really inspiring. How, how do you just maintain that focus and screen out distractions? A good question. That's a really good question because there are distractions. I mean, I just studied with someone who decided that our doctrine was too different from hers and I loved her. It was so hard. So now I just need to focus on the ones who really do want to do what the Bible says, but it's hard. And there's been many like that, not exactly for the same reason, but I think it really helps that there are others that I can devote myself to. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't have a great answer for that, but uh, by the way, I didn't mention that there's a young a sister uh, named Daisy from Foshan, China, who moved here in the 1st of July. So I just mentioned her. So she and I were driving up to campus yesterday because she's kind of my sidekick, essentially, sharing <laughs> on campus. And I said to her, you know, when was the last time we actually didn't go up on campus either Tuesday or Wednesday to share our faith. And uh, no, we ever, we've, we've never missed. I mean, I travel here. I, I've gone to San Diego last two weekends and all this sort of stuff, but every Tuesday and every Wednesday for the last 15 or 16 months, I'm just always doing that. I, I don't allow myself, you know, it's pretty easy to have a bunch of uh, appointments it's kind of like staying in shape physically. I just, I don't skip weeks from going out running. I don't skip weeks from sharing my faith. I don't skip weeks from praying. I don't skip weeks from studying the Bible with people. And, you know, God just, I mean, it's not going to be great all the time. We all know that. There's going to be dry seasons, going to be fruitful seasons. But Galatians 6, 9 is still true. It's always been true. Uh, do not grow weary in doing good for in due time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. I happen to actually believe that. <laughs> and it, I believe it partly because I've seen it. I mean, it's it's not as if we've not done this before. Right, exactly. Well, John and Jan, thank you so much for your inspiring example. Congratulations on the explosive start to your church. I mean, it's it's so inspiring to me to see what you're doing and to see who you are and who's doing it inspires me all the more. And I just hope that so many disciples around the world just do exactly what you're doing at any age, whether they're 20 or whether they're 70, they just decide, hey, I can do it. If God is with me, there's nothing I can't do. So thank you and all the best to you going forward. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them on Amazon.com. And finally, support the Rob Skinner podcast with a gift. The link is in the show notes. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.